This is Linux Unplugged, episode 11 for October 22nd, 2013. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly Linux talk show that's writing checks our mouth can't cash, but we push on anyways. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey there, Matt. Episode 11, buddy. Look at us. Already. All in a row, too. Now, who knows? Because we're coming up to those wily holidays. You never know what could happen. This is true. So people have to prepare themselves now. So coming up on this week's show of Unplugged, I I, want to talk about something that's been bothering me for at least a year. In fact, since November of 2012 to tell you the truth. I could tell you exactly when, but as uh, the Linux Action Show has gone on, we have gotten a really good snapshot of what the Linux news looks like every single week for over the last seven years. And there's been a change in tone, in quality, in amount, all of it. Linux news has gone bankrupt. And I want to talk about it on today's Linux Unplugged because I think it's something that, because open source is done in the open, because it is such a community effort, I believe the dialogue around open source plays an extremely critical role in future development and and in perception. And then that plays into participation and all these things. So I think it has very, very large and wide-reaching ramifications. So we'll talk about that today. But you know, Matt, as is tradition because this is a very community-involved show, I want to get into the follow-up. And uh, a couple of things. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Let the beatings begin. I know. I know. You know, the Linux Gamecast, they call this section the hate mail. Uh, We we do have a little hate mail today. But first, I want to correct. Oh, actually, first, I want to do a thank you. So let's start off on a positive note. Um, All right. Integros. In fact, the the, the good folks over at Integros uh, came out in full force to uh, reach out after we talked about them in the uh, spotlight last uh, on Sunday on the Linux Action Show. We had a visitor in our subreddit who answered some technical questions and also uh, corrected a mistake I made. Their installer is looks a lot like Ubiquity from Ubuntu's installer, uh-huh. but it is actually their own custom-done installer. Oh, it is custom. That's fantastic. And, and okay. you know, to, to defend myself, I made that assumption because I, I drilled into the GitHub repo for their distro, went into mm-hmm. the installer code, and I saw references to Ubiquity.sh and a screenshots folder that had Zubuntu screenshots in it. So I thought... I thought there's a good chance this is based on Ubiquity because it looks like Ubiquity. There's Ubiquity yeah. names in here, but uh, the developer said, well, we were just pulling in different bits of code to try different things out, and that's we're in the process of cleaning things up. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that yeah. makes more sense then. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to make that correction. Then also a big thank you because then also I was contacted on uh, on our IRC server. If you go to irc.geekshed.net, that's uh, our, our IRC server, and then Pound Jupiter Broadcasting is the room. Alex from Integros uh, reached out to me and uh, answered a few questions I had, talked about a few upcoming things they have, provided me with a uh, an example. In fact, I think I have it right here. Let's see if this plays because I have. Anteros. That's how you're supposed to say it. He generated that for us. How cool is that? <laughs> that is cool because I'm going to literally Anteros. play that. I'm, every, time that, every time I have to say it, I'm just going to hit that button. Uh, yeah, Integros. So uh, I wanted to say a special thank you to them. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Integros is um, – it's a distro that's essentially straight up Arch. They pull from the Arch repos. They have a a, a small uh, repo of their own where they pull certain things in, like Art and other things. They set up a, a a very minimal 
set of defaults. I mean, super minimal. Like, I don't even think there's like a video player installed. And uh, as it installs, it pulls down packages from the Arch repo. And if you want to try out like Cinnamon 2.0 or GNOME 3.10, one, it, it's a great way to go because you can be up and running. If it, Now, a lot of people have had some, some hardware issues, but they're working on new features, so we'll keep an eye on it. Looks, it looks really promising. I know I'm going to be checking into it. Yeah, it's cool of them to reach out, too, like that. They, they, yeah. they, they definitely uh, went the extra mile. And then one other thing. You know, I was talking, we did a review, just a few corrections from last. We did a review of the uh, Synology Disk Station 4-Bay uh, Network Attached Storage, the DS412+. Oh, yes. And I gave it a pretty glowing thumbs up all, all in all. If, you're, you know, if you want to pay a premium for a small, silent, you know, sort of pre-done appliance. Basically awesome in a box. It, I, I really it. liked it, Matt. I, I yeah. mean, and I, in fact, I bought one on, uh, on Monday. So I bought one yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, nice. I did. I, I just went ahead and I said, you know, I'm going to buy it. And uh, so I did. Now, however, there is one thing that I totally forgot to mention. And it's probably the, my main con is it uses an external power supply, and on top of that, it's got a real funky, um, you know, proprietary power adapter. Oh, does it? Okay. So, so that could make replacing it mm-hmm, uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, to be honest, in this rig, I would actually suspect that the number one thing to fail would either be a fan or the power supply. And if it was the power supply and it's integrated, that kind of you know is more of a pain in the butt. Whereas if it's an external brick, you just replace that brick. I don't like that the connector's proprietary, but I bet you I could buy an extra one and have it in a drawer. And if it ever popped on me, I bet I could just swap it out real quick. So I it's like not the idea of having a spare. I think that's a wise idea. And, and I think you're right. I think the fan would be the, probably the next thing to go or yeah. you know, either or. Sure. And, I, and, and then I, it was pointed out on our subreddit that the uh, – fact, let me go look for it because they have a uh, – I didn't even know this because I just didn't – I was never really going down the route of looking at a Synology NAS until, until I was offered to review one. Mm. Um, their five drive unit, hey oh, five drives, huh? How about that? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, it has a built-in power supply, so if you want to go that route, it yeah. has the plug, and then you you don't have to have that external adapter. Uh, but it's like a hundred bucks more. Right, right. Oh, that's good looking machine. Yeah, they also have a two hundred dollar version that's a, a two drive unit or like a three hundred dollar unit. Oh yeah, yeah. So it has all the same features as the one mm-hmm. I have, but it's a few hundred dollars cheaper because it only takes two drive. And if you just want a nice, fast network attached storage with some mirrors that runs Linux. You know, that'd be a good way to go. I have it linked in last week's uh, Linux Action Show. Just do me a favor and click that link so that way we get credit. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. And I, I got to ask, I wonder if it has all the same functionality and features you were showing I, off in the I believe gear. it has the same OS and everything. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, now you ready for your my bit? My hate mail is coming up. Your hate mail is first. You ready? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's Brace get it yourself. <laughs> all right. So John writes in. He says, greetings, Chris and Matt. One of the common things I hear from Matt is if you don't like it, distro, use something else which always makes me cringe just a little. I realize that he's addressing the functional aspect of a distro, but I think the uh, relational aspect is also very important. As Chris said recently, Linux distros are a type of art, and they're an evolving art, kind of like a movie franchise. So Ubuntu doing something stupid is a bit like Hollywood bastardizing some franchise that you loved with an unnecessary reboot. But it being told, why don't you care? Just don't watch it. Sort of, I guess, maybe like the new Star Trek series. Uh, part of being in the Linux community to me is having some kind of attachment, as hobbies often have. For me personally, sure. I'm aware that if Ubuntu does something I don't like, I can hop to another distro. But hearing it as the first response to a criticism sounds like just giving Ubuntu a free pass. Just my two cents. Thanks for the shows and keep up the good work. Not Brian T. I think, I think it's a valid point in that 
well, first, I would actually clarify one thing that just because I say don't use it doesn't mean I think it's awesome or that I'm acknowledging that I think it's something we should just overlook or excuse. Right, right. I'm simply pointing out factually, if you, and I'm going to throw out another one. It's going to irritate you guys. If you ever tried to herd cats, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't Wait, work. Did I just call up John O'Bacon? Uh, what's going on over here? <laughs> But yeah, no, seriously, if you ever try and herd cats, I mean, you know, there's certain limitations to what you can do. The same thing with distributions and the people that design them and run them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have limited control. And so you, ha- you, you have a choice. You can either focus on that negativity or you can say, wow, I'm not really into this, so I'm going to go participate in something that I am into. I it, hate- is, it legitimately is, comes down to I, I hate to play this card, but I think it's also the perspective of somebody who's got a few years on on non Brian not Brian T like because what oh, you God. as you start to get a little even just a, even you know in yeah, your, your mid thirties you start to think God I have a limited amount of even energy to, to devote to right. anything right now in my twenties I would have been probably right there with him with a sign in my hand I I could I could totally see myself doing however, that however at the same time right. I also acknowledge I don't like like when I have issues with the new Star Trek movie mm-hmm. I would not want to be told well just don't watch it. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Star Trek, it's Star Trek. You don't understand. Like that would be my response, right? So right. I, I do see where he's coming from on that, and yeah. and I guess you know, I, it, it's almost I, I wanna, not healthy though. It, it's almost yeah. not healthy to 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 place your personal self happiness onto an external entity that, like that. That's basically my message. In that, I'm not discounting the fact that you shouldn't be bothered or even upset. By something that is bugging you. I mean, I'm not saying that, but you really have you have X amount of energy to exhaust in a day, and mm-hmm. you really got to look at where you're putting that. If it was me, and I'm really bent out of shape about what Ubuntu is doing, by God, I'm going to put some effort into another distribution that I can get excited about and make it better than the thing that I have a problem with, if I can. You know, and that's just me, and I guess everybody's mileage is going to vary to that. But I think he brings up a valid point because it's a valid concern that he has, and so I want to address that head on and let him know and that it's interesting. Don't see too, it like, changing, but it's how I come from. Because you know? you, what you're also doing when you say that is you're reminding us that Linux is not Ubuntu or Linux is not Fedora, no. Linux is not Unity, it's not GNOME. It's you know, it's a Be lot part of part of the market that helps decide what the direction of popularity is going to go. And that was kind and, of the message of last week's episode. Yeah, it really was. So I, I definitely wouldn't poo-poo his, uh, his point because I think it's a valid point. But age definitely plays a part into it. Uh, the way the way I look at life compared to you know, like in my twenties compared to now at forty, just there's a lot of factors. But I I truly am trying very hard to remove as much negativity out of my life as I can, yeah. and that's part of that process. Yeah, and uh, you know, it is sort of like if something, and there is also sort of a zenness to if something's bothering you, stop yeah. doing it. You know, it's like that old right. that age old story. Like I go every time I go to the doctor and I do this. Hey doc, every time I move my leg like this, it hurts. And the doctor says, "Well, stop moving your leg like that." Bob Newhart on Mad TV where he was doing therapy and the entire therapy session would he'd lean in real close and scream, stop it to whoever was complaining about (laughs) whatever was ailing. And that's that's really what it is. Yeah, it is. It really is is that simple. But all right. Are you ready for uh, for my hate mail now? Um, This uh, actually it's probably more so the next one is actually more directed at me. But this one starts with a name that's kind of hard. So uh, Adnan, A-D-N-A-N, Adnan. Adnan. Okay. Let's go with Adnan. Sure. He says, hey, guys, uh, in last in last week's episode of you know the Ubuntu 13.10 review, mm-hmm. you talked a lot about rolling releases and how you missed that factor of innovation, latest features from Ubuntu, especially from the last couple of releases, and how you found your peace of mind in a rolling release such as Arch Linux. Now, I, I went with this one because we got a lot of emails about rolling release statements, and I think maybe I came off as like, 
you could only you use rolling release. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't like rolling releases, yeah. go to hell or right. something yeah. wrong with you or whatever. And what yeah. my argument was supposed to be was if you are technically comfortable, you can be part of pushing the open source envelope forward by perhaps rolling on something a little more cutting edge, a little more rolling. But, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. However, right. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I didn't get that point across very well. And, and Adnan here points out that one thing we don't really ever mention is the elephant in the room, and that is Debian. I kind of feel like we do, but I, I wanted to give an honorable mention here. He says, Debian testing, specifically the Jesse version and unstable SID, which neither of is rolling in a full meaning of that word, but yet both branches still get rolling release model where software is continually being developed and updated. Thus, uh, why couldn't Debian Jesse be everyone's perfect rolling release with its actual rolling release until it becomes stable, quote unquote? If you think about it, Ubuntu became a rolling model of, yeah, okay. So he goes on to say that that's essentially what Ubuntu did. Yeah. Uh, and he says that, you know, Jesse can be a bleeding edge distro. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the 7.2 release in the last episode was a very nice gesture, but I'm sending this email as a plea to provide your audience with more information and awareness about Debian as a perfectly portrayed, as perfectly portrayed from examples I used above. Debian seems to be left out. Even though it provides us all with the functionality and features, please inform me if you have any other questions or comments. Adnan. I'm going to actually agree with him on that. We don't talk about Debian enough. I, I will actually completely agree with that. Myself especially. I'd say I'm probably the biggest guilty party on that one because we talk – we dance around Debian by talking about all the derivatives. Yeah. But we don't really talk about Debian well, specifically and its advantages and disadvantages. You know, my wife and I talk about the dishwasher a lot more than we talk about the foundation <laughs> of my house. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. That's fair. But as a standalone distro, you know, Debian does have a little something to offer for those that want to go that route. Yeah. That now that being said, we're not going to make a sh we're not going to make an ongoing show about it. That's not possible. <laughs> the Debian but, action show. Yeah. So I think what we did just there really, you know, nails it. I mean, it's like this is this is an option you guys should check out. Yeah. If you want you want an Ubuntu like experience without the Ubuntu, give it a whirl. You know? Ubuntu uh I mean Debian um is sort of it's unbelievable in the sense that – so when I really first started cutting my teeth on Linux, I worked at a school district, and um, they're, they're, they have run systems – you know, it's like – it was like – I guess what I'm trying to say is their IT department for a little bit for me was like a time capsule <laughs> because I went back 10 years later, kind of like a reunion at the, re, at the time of my re, high school reunion, but instead I was like – I was going back to that job to contract for, for three months. Right. And like I opened up the time capsule and what I found was Debian systems that we had deployed that had just recently either been retired or about to be retired, but like had been updated throughout the years and continued to run. I mean, mm -hmm. it was it was really like a if you could do a long term science experiment as an IT guy where you just like got grant funding to, to study something for 10 years. It was like that for me. I was like, holy crap, here it is. In in reality, here is, exactly. you know, the honest to God goodness of Debian just lasting this entire time. It was pretty cool. So I think the long and short of it is that Debian is a great option if you want something that you can install and honestly not think about ever again. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that's really it, you know. Totally. Yep. I'm going to give you a ding for that, Matt, because I agree. <laughs> uh, so uh, now this next one. Mm, oh, also, uh, another uh, good, uh, another point that was made is uh, by a few folks was that. Um, uh, folks in development shops, rolling releases are no good because, um, if you, if you total, if you, if like an enterprise, when you write software and then you oh, certify yeah. it as something and then you go to ship it, but the libraries change or something like that, that's a total, you know, pulling the rug out from underneath the developers. <laughs> so they like to have, you know, totally snapshotted in time systems. Uh, hello, technologies like Docker are alleviating, uh, I mean, so that's the other thing about this rolling release discussion is, there are new technologies coming out, like virtual, well, not not even coming out, like virtualization with snapshots and Docker and containers 
that sort of nullify some of the previous pains with rolling releases. Um, and we'll just see where that goes. I, I wonder if history won't prove me right in the long run. Because of these types of things where you can isolate applications off into a safe environment. Um, I think so. I think as things evolve with the virtualization technologies specifically, I think we'll eventually hit that point to where it becomes a mood issue. But I'm not sure we're there yet. I think there's still right. enough considerations yeah. that people need to really make an educated decision. So Jesse writes in, he says, uh, Hello, Chris and Matt. I saw your recent Linux Unplugged episode on your opinion about Ubuntu going to a rolling release. Only I have to completely disagree with all your points. Last year, I switched a few of my teachers to Linux Mint, and most of us Linux Mint and Ubuntu users don't know enough to fix our system if it crashed from an update in a release. Now, you remember one of the things I said is there is this fear of, like, I need my distro master to protect me. And if I, if I don't have the grand repo keeper checking every package before it hits the repo, then, I, you know, disaster is around the next update. Anyway. And I and I actually agreed on that whole point of it. Well, I'll get to that after the. No, finish. go ahead. You can. I, I was just going to basically point out. I said, I to be completely fair though, I actually pointed out that it is different strokes for different oh, folks. Yeah, that right. There are use case scenarios to where it does not make sense to go rolling release. Where so like that's, where Jesse's yeah. making the case right here. He says yeah. most new Linux users don't want to spend time tweaking their computer to run the way they like. Most of them just install the distro and move over their data. I hate doing this unless I'm um, re-Linuxing, remastering. Ubuntu is aiming for a noobish user base, and rolling release would just turn them off. It seems that you also forgot that corporate distros helped Linux get off the ground in the 90s. I personally don't care about pushing the envelope unless it's base packages. Also, I'm not very savvy, and most Linux users are not either. Um, so where he says here... Um, uh, that uh, I hate, uh, where Ubuntu is aiming for a noobish user base. I I see people that take offense to that sometimes, but I do agree yeah. they're trying to they're trying to do a wide spectrum. They are doing a, a wide spe- spectrum, and also the whole corporate thing. Co- the corporate stuff. While I, I agree that you know it's an ancient thing, a lot of people are using the long term releases so for oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a completely out of the argument already off the bat. I think too, like so. um, you couldn't like you would. I think the best approach is sort of the. Debian and OpenSUSE approaches, where you have your here's right. your stable branch and here's your rolling branch. Your, and that's really what I would want. I mean, that's really how I think they should do it. Mm-hmm. I think that absolutely, how, however they do a stable branch is up to them and however they make that work with the community, but have a stable branch, schools, corporations, nonprofits, whatnot, or people just don't want something to update all the time. And then, of course, if you want a rolling release, that's available as well. And that, of course, will then help with uh, speedier development and less of the uh, release party and more of just getting it done. All right. All right. Now watch out, Matt, because now the flamethrowers are fully focused on me. Uh, Ben writes in. He says, hey, Chris, I love all the shows at Jupiter Broadcasting, but during the segment in episode 10 of Linux Unplugged, you said you believe Valve SteamOS is a sign of them not having confidence in Ubuntu as a desktop platform. Mm. One thing I noticed that no one mentioned is that SteamOS isn't necessarily meant for desktop markets. I'm pretty sure the point of SteamOS is making an operating system that is optimized for TV and controller, in addition for the desktop. Valve probably just wants to provide users and OEMs an image that they can throw onto boxes that start right up into big picture mode without the overhead of a normal desktop OS. Anyways, thanks for all the great shows. Ben. Now, we got a lot of emails to this that a lot of people did not agree that, in fact, uh, here was another one. Uh, uh, Michael wrote and he said, in the last show, you voiced an opinion that Valve's decision to create SteamOS was caused by a concern or lack of faith in Ubuntu. I think we should look at it from Valve's perspective. Uh, why should they, uh, why should they say their new console will be running Ubuntu, even if it will? It will not have an Ubuntu user interface. It will be a console. You will get Steam big picture interface and won't be encouraged to tweak with it. For all purposes, consoles should be a black box to you. 
There's no reason for telling anyone it's running Ubuntu. Saying SteamOS is also better from a marketing point of view. It sounds like something they created and tailored for their console. To sum up, I don't think Valve's move was a vote of no confidence for Ubuntu, but rather marketing PR decision with a goal of creating a brand with a product without causing confusion about the real nature of the OS. Thanks for the great work, Michael. Well, two considerations there. Uh, one, as far as the uh, branding and whatnot, that's easily done with an Ubuntu base, uh, a simple letter from uh, the d- d- Ubuntu developers, and basically removing all the trademark material and going with what you want. That's already doable with an Ubuntu base, so I don't think that's the whole reason behind it. I think really it comes down to a fact that by hedging their bets a little bit, taking a Linux Mint approach like they are with the Linux Mint Debian Edition, by hedging their bets and spreading out things a bit, they're not centralized on Ubuntu only. That's just common sense. Right. Granted, the branding thing is accurate. I mean, I agree, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's just that's a dangerous place to be. So I think you know my point to that was like if 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 Canonical had has been had been successful and 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 had really driven the Ubuntu desk, desktop and and as a brand and all that had broken through, it would be a benefit to say we run on Ubuntu, right? It would be like a perk. It would be like a a good thing, like runs on Windows, right? Sure. Um, and because that never happened, it was sort of almost better to just sweep the whole Ubuntu thing under the rug. I agree, though, that at most, that's probably a minor factor in the decision process. Uh, overall, it's about branding. It's about yeah. streamlining. It's about keeping, you know, uh, it's about reducing confusion. Um, so I, 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 I do agree. I thought about that after I said it, and I thought, well, actually, there's a few arguments against it. So I was glad to see some folks wrote in with that. So thanks to you guys. Now, our last email which is going to kind of, in a way, kick us into our main topic today. Oh, cool. Uh, comes from Matt, but it's a different Matt, but he does have two <laughs> T's like a gentleman. Uh, he writes, uh, first, hey, guys, I just want to correct Chris on something he said on last. Linux is not the only open source community, because <laughs> obviously I think that. Uh, a lot of the BSD code is open source as well, but isn't free software by the definition of the term that was created by RMS. It's negative in the freedom dimension. Uh, but his main point was, secondly, I've recently become more involved with the BSD community, and they really don't have the types of issues that the Linux community does with egotistical people talking to blogs and writing something stupid that pisses everyone off. <laughs> I actually agree with this. <laughs> I wonder if this isn't the time that the Linux community as a whole just says these quote-unquote founders, something like, hey, we get that you've done a lot in the past, but now that you're part of a problem, but now you're part of the problem and you're not solving anything. So please accept that this pat on the back and this heartfelt thanks and go away until <laughs> until you can accept that this thing you created is much bigger than your ego. I just think people like RMS and Mark Shuttleworth are constantly causing severe, severe divisions in the wider community. And they've reached a point where their contributions don't outweigh the harm they're causing by creating scenarios where the community attacks itself uh i look at it i look at it like a very uh hyperactive family there's a lot of debating going on a lot and even arguing and, and occasionally some fighting but it doesn't mean we stop being a family because of it and i think that's really what happens oh so, that's gosh that makes me feel so warm yeah, it's like a warm and fuzzy feeling right i almost feel like i don't want to even say what i think because mine is like <laughs> we're all you know okay so here's what i think um, I think if you if you really believe the BSD community doesn't have arguments and big fights, you're fooling yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. What it is, is it goes back to what I said during the intro. 
It is our bankrupt media coverage of Linux because it is easy to write about the cult of personality that we have because it draws clicks. People recognize the name. People click on the links and read the articles. When Mark Shuttleworth or Linus Torvalds or RMS's name is in the headline, I do it too. I'm a dumb monkey. <laughs> I click it. I read it. And that's why it happens. Now, when, when somebody in the BSD community does it, you'll hear about it on BSD now. Right, because that's the media coverage for BSD, and, exactly. and obviously the, the all, there's there's also the BSD talk and other and and the BSD blogs, but like there's not the the scale and 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 now uh, industry is maybe not as a strong term, but definitely there is a forming industry of Linux coverage, and these people these people are doing a disservice to the community because they're lazy and because yeah. they're cheap and because you click it. And because of that, this these types of things get extraordinary coverage compared to, uh, for example, today. Aaron Saigo wrote up a long blog post with lots of screenshots about the future direction of a content delivery platform that's more than an app store. It's like a it's like music and apps and books and open source code delivery and and, and commercial software delivery that they want to integrate in with like Plasma Active and the KDE desktop and they've got this whole back end infrastructure for it that's totally brilliant. They've got a front end they've got they've got code they've been working on for the front end delivery for two years. And like he just wrote up all, all about it. It's like it's gonna be fundamental plumbing for app distributions for like distro agnostic it's it's going to be brilliant, and nobody wrote about it. Nobody wrote about it because everybody's writing about crap. Yeah, and and here's and I can tell you why. It's, as someone in this market, it's because quite honestly, unless it's going directly into a subscribed mailing list, no one's going to click it. No, that's not fair. Most people won't click it. The smart people will, but most people that are just scaling through titles, it's not going to, it's not necessarily going to grab your attention unless it was done really, really well. I mean, like we're talking Star Wars type titles. <laughs> it's got to be really good. And that's hard to do, especially with something like that because it covers so much ground. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have the uh, click through rate of a, here's the top 10 reasons why you're sick of reading these articles. Well, so, um, you know, that sort of thing. You know, so. Lass has, has a seven plus year history of following the news. You've been a writer for years and, mm -hmm. and, and writing in this space. So I want to talk about this today because it, sure. it, this is something that has literally been, been bothering me for really more than a year, but definitely yeah. for the last year. But first, I want to tell everybody about something great. So let's just focus on the, something on the good okay, stuff. Cool. And that is this week's sponsor, Ting.com. That's right, friends. Ting is mobile that makes sense now there are millions of reasons to switch to ting so i want to tell you about just a few of them this episode number one no contracts no early termination fees and here's the third one brace yourselves pay for what you use pay for what you use in the past the only way to do pay for what you use is you had some sort of super special deal with some monopoly carrier through your company if you ever left your job or that deal ended there went your sweet deal no ting lets you take that power into your own hands literally so if you go to linux ting.com you're going to take $25 off your first month of service or your first device lots of devices you can bring if you go over to the ting help blog you can the ting help page you can find out what devices you can bring they also have a concierge service so you can get onto ting with a with your own device with a device they find for you or a brand new device that you own outright now on top of the pay for what you use on on top of their excellent customer service when you call 1-855-846-4389 and a real Canadian answers the phone on top of all of that 
They also have built-in hotspot and tethering with every device you grab. So if you need Wi-Fi for a group of folks, and you know, if you're, if you're on one of these other carriers, you know you've got that checkbox, in, if they haven't removed it. You've got that checkbox in your Android settings, and man, you just you just wish you could just check that box and wouldn't have to pay anything extra. But you know they'll get you. Maybe you got to get the family share plan like I had to get a long time ago. <laughs> it's so oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Ting eliminates all of that. They eliminate all of that. Plus, they have a savings calculator. If you're kind of on the fence, you go to linux.com. Ting.com. Click on that savings calculator, put your bill information in there, and then just look at the raw savings. Now, consider this. Consider this. Ting is making it better than ever to switch. Not only do they have the golden ticket program right now, and this is only to the end of October, so it's almost over, where they're giving out six tickets for a year of service for Ting. Even if you bring your own device, you can still get one of these. They also have introduced their early termination relief program, where they'll give you up to $75 per line that you have to cancel to switch to Ting. Now we're really starting to talk here. Because like, if you're like me, I think the highest bill I've ever had, I think my highest bill, with even when both Ange and I were on it, was like $24. $25. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. She and I are both big data. Like we text, we we do the web, but we don't do a ton of phone. But if I did a ton of phone one month, then I'll only pay for what I use. I don't end up paying into some plan, if you can call it that. I don't know why they call it a plan. I didn't plan that. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to pay some huge plan for something you don't end up using. And go over to the Ting Devices page, and while you're there, check out their new devices. They've got the Moto X. they even got the Windows Phone, if you're of that variety. they got the HTC One now with the Android 4.3, which is rocking. And they have the pre-order up for the new Note 3, Matt. Woo, man, yep. I'm looking at that. I, lo- I love I love what I got now, but I would definitely love to go that direction. And if you want to get in, mm. if you want to get in brand new for a crazy crazy good deal, go check out the Kyocera Kona. 63 bones with our discount. You all That's gonna, like the perfect backup phone, right? I mean, it's th- well, so first of all, since you only pay for what you use, Put yeah. this in. Put this in the glove box. Exactly. Right. right. Put it in the glove box and let mm-hmm. it sit there. And if you ever have an emergency, you've got a phone that's ready to go now. Not only does this thing have like days of battery life, days of battery life, but it makes crystal clear phone calls. So there's that's a serious option. They also have used devices, and I and I want to stress this. Ting has really great customer service. If you want to take advantage of their concierge service to find you a used device, you can do it. But if you want to get in on a Nexus S, check this out unlocked you own it outright with no early termination fees no contract samsung nexus s with android 4.1 245 dollars and you got ymax in your area it's gonna rock that too they've also got the samsung galaxy s3 which has a little bit less of the samsung bloatware than the s4 385 bones you own it outright no contract no early termination fees what it's crazy. It. I, I, I know. Absolutely. So go over to linux.ting.com, grab yourself something nice, and take advantage of that early termination relief program if you need to, and maybe you'll even get a golden ticket. Yeah, buddy. So thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. I mean, how cool is that golden ticket program? That is so <laughs> cool. When's the last time any other carrier has given you a gold in anything? <laughs> <laughs> Especially a ticket. You know? No kidding. No kidding. And I just feel like I just feel like we need more Willy Wonka out there. I That's feel right. Like, yeah. So uh, the the thing I, I think I'm calling it the bankrupt news industry around Linux because I feel like I've watched it devolve into crap. We had three news stories last week on last, right? We had the exactly and. Or maybe it was four. It might, it have, might been, have been four. I mean, they all kind of bled together. Yeah. <laughs> it was just but the like, big one was the big story was Mark Shuttleworth, you know, branded people that disagree with him. The open source Tea Party, Aaron Saigo took to G plus, Lenart Pottering took to G plus to respond. That was the really big story of last week, right? That was sort of like I mean, it got coverage everywhere. It was our top story, and what 
gosh, you know what really upsets me is, and how do you, do you know how do you say Bruce? Is it Byfield? Bruce Byfield? Uh, Byfield, yeah. Yeah. Bruce wrote a great piece um, back in November 8th of 2012, uh, kind of inspired by a post that actually Aaron Saigo had made on his blog. Uh, but I really liked Bruce's take on it here. He says, uh, he took on the, what he's calling the cults of personality that often dominate the free software community. And uh, of course, you know, we think of Linus, right? We think of yeah. uh, Mark. Um, in fact, uh, huge news, breaking news. Uh, everybody stand by. We all need to uh, stop what we're doing. Linus has insulted Fedora. Did you I've see been this? waiting for him to. No, I've not. But I've been waiting for him to insult AMD. That's what I'm. I know, doing. right? Yeah, that's what, that's the joke. But that's the, that's <laughs> yeah. the joke now as well. Nope. Linus puts his middle finger up and people jump. Uh, right. But if you look at it, so uh, yeah, so uh, Linus Torvalds uh, goes after the Fedora project this week and calls him calls him stupid. I saw this transpire on G Plus in real time. I was on G Plus when Linus made the post. I think it even happened before last. And I read it and I went, oh, okay, well. So Linus thinks that Fedora should generate new ISOs periodically. That way, when you grab an ISO, you don't have you know super out of date packages. Kind of, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I think really, who the hell, why why make a thing about it? But, right. You know, but whatever. I and then the Fedora project responds, "Oh well, you know, once we generate the ISOs, we don't we don't touch them. Those are the snapshot of the release, and then we do updates." And then Linus, you know, jumps back in and says that's ridiculous. And then they say, "Well, we don't have QA for the image." Like it was this big back and forth. But I saw the thing. And I thought, okay, no big deal, right? Well, no. Turns out, huge deal. Huge deal in the Linux in the Linux media. Uh, Softpedia has an article up. Every news site that 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 pretends to cover Linux has an article up about Linus Torvald smashing the Fedora project. Calls them stupid, right? And it plays into this whole cult of personality. It perpetuates this this um, well circle jerk of the celebrities in the Linux community. Exactly. Well, and so here's the thing. A lot of people have to realize that the cult of personality you see in a lot of the reality TV stuff bleeds through into the written word as well. And so you need something to basically scrape together to make these news stories out of, especially when you're living in a big vacuum of things that don't present themselves well to the masses. They're important instances. There's important f- things that are happening, but they're not always real easy to throw into a title and guarantee a lot of click-throughs, which, of course, will then generate revenue. And that's why these things tend to do really well. Note the words in that title, if you want to bring that back up on the screen for a second. The words smash, Linus. Right, right. These, these are not done. These words are carefully chosen, put together. to know. So when you glance at this, even if you don't know who Linus is, the odds are you might actually click through just out of curiosity to see what this Linus this guy is smashing. Right. He's smashing a project. He calls yeah. that project uh, stupid. Um, Definitely. You know, so you, even you, non, and plus, yeah. you get a picture of Linus in there, and yep. w- what every writer loves, you get a few che- cho- uh, choice quotes to pull that you put in there, right. and then you just couch you know, those quotes around some sort of exactly. minimal write-up, and then you mm-hmm. get you know a few thousand views or whatever he gets for this. Um, and of course, the beauty of this is all you got to do is file, follow Linus on G plus or, you know, watch Hacker News or something like that. And then it just, it's like a story falls in your lap. It's That's like, right. it's like Christmas time for the writer. Um, and, and Bruce tackles this. Bruce says that, uh, these cults of personality are contrary to community values, whereas they do untold damage imposing commercial values at the cost of community ones or dividing the community as those at the center of such cults decide to air their personal grudges in public. Now he wrote this in 2012. We just saw this happen over just this weekend. He says they can cause people to discard their own judgment and choose software on the basis of who endorses what and even to compromise themselves morally by choosing sides in a flame war when they should be condemning everyone involved. 
Now, well, yeah, and I actually, when I, you know, came in, uh, you know, myself and, uh, you know, of course, Ubuntu's community manager came in to actually address this when, when a lot of the stuff was going back and forth. Um, you know, we were instantly attacked. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this right. sort of thing. It, it's it's unfortunate that we've come to that because we're feeding the problem and, quite frankly, showing the writers that write this stuff that this is this is where you need to go. And here's another reason why this is not only going to continue, but it's going to get worse. And a lot of people don't realize this because of a, uh, Google's constant algor- algorithm changes, especially with their latest one. SEO is kind of dying. I, I hate. I mean, in my opinion, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so right. because They're, Google yeah. said they want to kill SEO. So rather than having uh, you know uh, reasons why something's awesome or something that has long term value in SEO, that's basically going the way of the dodo. So you're basically it's all or nothing in quick hits. You got to publish often. Got to have lots of content. And it has to have great titles. Get people in. Get people in. Get people in. And it's got to continue. Right. And, it's, and the other know, thing is all of these writers are under big deadlines. And like yeah. Bruce points out, the problem is that journalism, as it's practiced today, fa- finds cults of personality to be extremely convenient. Being mm-hmm. able to just mention a, ce- a celebrity in the headline guarantees you get increased page views. That's right. And that, of course, means that you, uh, the writer is still employed and, of course, the website remains up. And, not and he also says it's convenient for the writer because instead of having to go out of their way to back up their facts, if mm-hmm. they mention someone famous said that, then it validates their point. Even if the celebrity fails to make a logical argument or offer a scrap of insight, readers are more likely to be swayed by a viewpoint by learning that a celebrity, quote-unquote, supports it. And this, so uh, one of the deciding facts, so I put plan B on hiatus, even though I'm, I I think, you know, I'm I'm still very fascinated by Bitcoin. The problem what I saw happening was, is sort of all of these bankrupt values being translated over to Bitcoin, where people who who really had no business being quoted in a in a in a legitimate news article were quoted and people who i knew to be sort of um posers quote unquote were writing articles talking about how great something was and i see this all the time you know in, in the history of the linux action show 7 plus years i have met a lot of the people i know a lot of the people behind these articles and i know that some of them never use linux more than just starting it up on a vm mm-hmm. on their mac and that is their total extent with linux and then they go on to write reviews about, you know, uh, new new releases and all of this stuff. And it's it's totally ungenuine, but it is all about they, they know how to phrase it. They have a bit of an established audience and they know how to get people to click on their stuff. And they know how to write vaguely enough that you can't pin them down for not actually having enough experience. And so while the write-up tends to be vapid with very little content, very little actual uh, value – because the state of Linux media coverage is so poor and so weak, it gets play. Exactly. And uh, that's just it. And then you bundle that in with the fact that Linux is kind of coming into its own. We're kind of at a lull right now because the gaming thing already happened. The cloud stuff's already kind of doing its thing. It's not really you know, something that you can put into uh, easy-to-understand terms for the masses. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of play there for just fluff, and it's going to continue to get worse. I really believe that. Uh, he says, uh, Bruce goes on to say that even a writer is not uh, not above from stooping to such uh, – however, even when the writer is not stooping to such tactics, like we covered for us, for example. I, you know, last tries not to get sucked into this, but we covered the Shuttleworth story because – Yeah, we had to. It's news. <laughs> like the audience yeah. – there is an expectation in the audience that you're going to talk about, especially in that case because we were drawn into it. The Linux Action Show was actually drawn into the discussion. So it was like there's even more impetus to discuss it, but – 
Readers want, he goes on to say, readers want to hear about what famous people are doing or thinking. They are far less interested in ordinary people, which is why stories about people behind the scenes, while often well-meaning, rarely keep people reading unless the writer can quickly establish an interesting angle. And I think that's also really true. It's like there's sort of this market pressure to play into this whole cult of personalities. But what we get is this really watered down coverage of the open source community where it looks like we're constantly bickering. It looks like we're immature. We can't come together. Even when there's great code being made, there's great strides that are being accomplished. It's sort of, the, it gets lost in the noise. Right. That's exactly it. I mean, I remember back in the day where, uh, you know, Bruce could do a really in-depth analysis of, uh, of Gnome, for example, and really dive in deep, or I could do some crazy futuristic Futurama think piece, you know, just having fun with here's the existing technology, here's where I think it's going to go, here's some considerations, blah, 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 something that might actually be possibly entertaining, worth reading. And now we're trapped in this space to where that's no longer possible, and I don't know where that's going to lead. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I, I'm, I've pulled back a lot myself, honestly. So. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, and and you've seen it from you know both angles where you know you've mm-hmm. been you've been you know you've told me that you, people come to you and say okay well Matt we want you to write about this and you're like I'm not really yeah. interested in writing about that why would you want me to write about that and so you know well we want another top ten uh, article yeah, exactly. or we want something for our slideshow because uh, we get X amount of ad revenue by the slideshow exactly and, and I feel like here we are now uh, a year after Bruce wrote that piece that I just read and I'll it's, it goes on more I'll have both Aaron and Bruce's piece linked in the show notes um. So uh, this week, TuxMachines.org went up for sale. Yeah, I saw this coming. I, I actually knew about it. Phronics.com has been up for sale a couple of times. The H online is shut down, right? And so what we have here is either A, sites that couldn't make it work, even though they had original content, or B, we have the elimination of some really good writing, like from the H online. Yeah. Uh, and what we get left with is blog spam. Right. And and what what I see happening is I see companies, um, you know, like Network World and other companies out there that are really just sort of half-heartedly getting involved. Like they have an open source back page where they have people writing for that, you know, just write us something adorable. We'll put it up and maybe it'll get a few upvotes on Reddit and then people will come read it. You know, it's like this total half-assed, half-hearted attempt to cover the industry. Meanwhile, Linux has seen more adoption than we've ever seen in the history of the platform. We have more people using it in terms of mobile, on the cloud, and on the desktop, but yet the writing and coverage of it has never been weaker or poorer. And it is so disappointing to see this happen. It is. And well, and the other side of it too is that you have two types of writers. You have the writer that basically has to get approval for a topic. Usually we present two or three uh, to the editor and then one of them selected. And then a lot of times none of them are selected and we do have to settle for a top 10. Or you have the person who is a syndicated writer, and these are my favorite. Uh, the Dvoraks of the world, uh, for a better example, that will go out and because they're so burnt out, they don't care. They're literally just cranking out crap because they, right. they're done. They're done. They're, they they yeah. mentally checked out a long time. They ago. figured out what buttons to push to generate enough links right. to to meet what their what that site needs to keep them around. Uh, you know, and like Big C points out, you see this definitely happen on Slashdot and and, oh, yeah. and all the sites. Boy. But you know, it's interesting in all of this. And it, it, I think it's I think it's some of some note to keep in perspective. Linux lwn.net linuxweekly.net it, you know a reader supported news site dedicating to really producing deep coverage which i've never found to be exceptionally compelling myself but totally respect the type of coverage that it is they're still around i don't know how they're doing but i'm 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 pleased they're still around and i feel like you touched on it like what i want as a linux user and and a follower of this industry and i would want this even if i was 10 times less involved with the linux community if i was just 
following Linux news because I had CentOS servers deployed on my on my servers at work. I would still want yeah. thought provoking articles that are you know deep discussions about things that are going on right now that are are well done analysis that are, that are, are that go much further beyond just the surface coverage that we the, the this top level coverage we get now. Uh, and and LWN.net does exactly that. They just don't happen to do it about things that I'm particularly passionate about. Well, and the other side of that too, because this is a great example. They're, they're still around because, of course, their expectations are not monet, you know, probably not monetary in any way other than server cost. Um, they're, I'm sure it's volunteer authors and so on and so forth. And I think even, uh, oh, was it opensource.com, I believe now, the Red Hat group? Um, actually, they do a lot of volunteer stuff. I think a lot of the volunteer sites tend to do pretty well because the expectation, people are doing it for the fun of it because they're passionate about it, maybe even just to get their name out there. Um, but, yeah, there are a you few know, efforts. Yeah, and there and, are a few. and opensource.com is lucky because they have a benefactor that, you know, Red Hat that Right. That but can but it's all volunteer writers. I mean, these guys these yeah. guys are, you know, they're, they're unless it's an employee of the company, but most of them are just volunteer writers. And that's, you know, that's interesting that they're able to produce as well as they do for volunteers because honestly, once the notoriety wears off as a volunteer, you're, you you kind of burn out pretty quick. Um, because after a while you find that you're, you have X number of hours in the day and you want to spend it elsewhere. So I think chat was misinterpreting. So I want to correct cause I'm sure some of the listeners, sure. I, uh, I don't mean that LWN isn't compelling. I, I guess what I mean is like, I'm never like, uh, compelled. The to topics go, aren't maybe hitting it for you. I mean, like they're good. Like optimizing hmm. CPU, hot plug logging, uh, uh, locking is interesting. A new direction for powerware scheduling, rationalizing Python packaging, uh, Pretty hyper specific, yeah. Yeah, and just not particular topics. I mean, but you know, I probably find myself on the site about once a week, you know, reading something. But um, I would, I would really like some deeper stuff. And I feel like sure. um, there are, you know, there are like you just pointed out two good examples. You know, opensource.com is one of them where there's some that are beginning, but it's still so far, and the resources right. are still so thin, and the market pressures are so high on on this problem. Like this is a trend that's been going on for a few years now, and I've I really feel like I've been witnessing the decline as the host of the Linux Action Show. Just like watching the news every single week, you know, you and I we see and we go, "What are we going to cover?" And we watch it all week, and then at the end of the week, we kind of we literally take it all in and then say, "Okay, well, this may, this meets the cut." And every single week, that for for a while now, like that list is getting shorter and shorter. And in the last week, in the last couple of weeks, it's been shockingly small. Like. So much so. And unfortunately, the noise ratio hasn't gone down. There's still horrible things being written and posted on the blogs and all these other places. So it's so disappointing to watch it happen. Well, and I also think it fills in it fills in the gap a little bit for the lack of actual news. I mean, we need more, you know, uh, Dell dumps Windows forever and goes nothing but Linux or, you know, some crazy stories like that to where it's like really big, compelling stuff like what we saw with uh, Valve and gaming. We need more of that to drown out the noise. You know I mean, be, so way, here's you know. a, here'd be a great example because uh, ZooX is asking for kind of maybe like an example is while while this whole Shuttleworth uh, kerfuffle is blowing up around Mir and Upstart and System yeah. D and all these things. Wouldn't it be awesome to have like this like New York Times style article with like here is like the whole backstory. Here's all of the stuff. Here's when this stuff happened. Here's the people behind it. Here's their goals. Like this whole like if there was just one spot you could go to and be completely up to date on this whole kerfuffle and like get the timelines right and get the motivations and you know. And, and, and have it be impartial, third-party documentation of it. Because really, and I don't mean to toot our own horn right now, but one of the best ways to get that is just to watch the entire back catalog of the Linux Action Show. And then you yeah, just right. organically watch it come together. But that's not how it should be. 
And because quite honestly, to get a writer to actually go that deep into something and to do it right for that article alone, honestly, I, know. I would, I can't see anyone doing it for less than a grand. I know. Maybe it's, two. This is honestly. the problem. This is the problem. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. The, the internet makes things cheap and mm-hmm. people don't, unless you've been involved in the industry, people don't know the actual like. And two is probably not enough, honestly, because it's going to be quite a job. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just, I don't know. That's just something, I don't know, maybe if the Mumble Room has any thoughts on this, if you guys have, maybe you've noticed an improvement in Linux news, if you've noticed a decline in Linux news, uh, if this concerns you guys or doesn't concern you, if anybody has any thoughts and want to chime in before we move on, you are, you, the, 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 the floor is open to you to yeah, do so. Correct. Well, to paraphrase the great philosopher of our time, Jessie J, from her infinitely deep poem, Price Tag. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. Okay. All about like the cha-ching, cha-ching. All about the bubbling, bubbling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, hey, Linus Storwald, uh, the, the term Linus Storwald's hate fedora gets people a lot more money than Alan Saigo introduces some new piece of technology or something like that. Right. You you know this better than anybody, both of you, because, you know, you're actively into this. Exactly. So, and it's all about the bottom line. See, if they don't do this, they get sold and they get they shut down and they don't have any money. If they do do this, they, they're, they're rolling in dough and everything. Yeah, that's true. There's 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 so many incentives. It keeps them in a holding pattern. I mean, because, I mean, yeah. really, the writing industry is just hurting as it is. But it does. It keeps them in a holding pattern. It's, if they do get bought out, when they look at which writers to keep and which writers to fire, um, they will look at they look at viewer counts. Really. What, what are your thoughts, Matt, on, like, um, you know, having to be – have a certain level of qualification before you're allowed to write? I mean, like, not allowed, but, like, before, like – do you think there's a responsibility for some of these publication companies to, like, higher qualified writers or is it if they, uh, I, mean, I, I would say just more the, to- the, the, the knowledge of the topics themselves. Okay, the problem yeah. is, is they they spend all their time and, and you know, there's a lot of uh, some of the sites you pointed out earlier are great examples of what happens when you hire the guy with the English degree. That's great. He's a fantastic writer. He had no clue what he's talking about, but right, he writes yeah, really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I write, you know, I don't know, maybe at an eighth or ninth grade level or whatever. But the point, but I know what I'm talking about. If you know about. the material, it's more important. If I know the material, yeah. I can at least speak intelligently about it. Yeah, so, I agree. You know. Yeah, that's true. That is true because that's a whole other problem. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's but, why I have an editor who has the English degree that can then take my mumble jumbo and make it into something legible. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. Can I get one of those for real life? <laughs> hey, I got I got two. I have my wife does initial edit, and then I have my final, and then my final editor. But yeah, my wife just takes my stuff, and she's just like, I don't even. She's cringes. She's like, Oh God, here we go. So yeah. that's good. She <laughs> takes one for the team. Oh, big time! I see it's kind of evolving into TV media. How it all is, negative actually. press is all the hoopla, but no actually good miracle stories get coverage. Right. And it's a, it's more it? American Idol and less Firefly. I mean, really. Yeah. And, yeah. And you look at that email we got where the guy's like, gosh, it just looks like the Linux community is a bunch of clown shoes. That's uh, yeah, thing. see, it's, it's not a Linux thing. It's a, it's a human thing. It's a people thing. You see this in the gaming media. You see this in... The technology media overall, you see this in in regular media, and yeah, this is a human thing. This is a phenomenon that is uh, inherent to, I think, media itself, not just Linux media. We are, at the end of the day, people, and so we want exciting stuff. We want short, sweet, exciting uh, news stories. Right. We want yep. uh, 
small content that can be easily con- consumed, judged, and then we move on. And the, and the thing is, is these sites recognize that and they manipulate us based on that. And so then they, and they end up just producing shovelware. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And see, it's not about the technical proficiency of the writer or the understanding that the actual uh, journalist has about the topic. It's simply about what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's true. But the people that want to hear that generally tend to attract that class of writer, though. They attract the yeah. one that can write or spin a really great tale but doesn't have a clue yeah. what he's talking about. And, of course, then the market, of course, rewards that. And that's the problem, too. Yeah. Well, you know, Matt mentioned John C. Dvorak earlier, and that guy can get away with writing just about anything strictly because of his name. He's yeah. a well-known writer. Yeah. Everybody knows who he is. Well, there's also he science behind crap. what he does, too. Yeah. No, he, he, he's, he's very... Very smart. Yeah, he, he knows, knows what exactly he's what he's doing. I think yeah. anyone that survives in that industry knows. Like, I feel like I, I feel like if I wanted to manipulate our audience all the time, I could because I think I really know what they all like, and I think I know how to. I, we could title things, we could cover certain things just strictly to manipulate, and it's like an. It is. You know what? Actually, I'll even say this. There's sometimes uh, I have to fight the urge, and every now and then you do see it. You do see it leak out in our titles. Where we'll go for a little bit of an outrageous title just to exactly, get you to watch. Right. Even though we hope that the actual show, no, show normalizes it, I've learned that it doesn't. People, that title sets the expectation when they go in, they, they, they then watch it through the, the filter that that title set and they perceive everything we say through that. And, and so now I've kind of backed off from doing that, but you know, it, it can literally, for some of these sites, it could be the difference in thousands of clicks. So it's, it's okay. a hard thing to fight. Also, another hey. thing is, some of these mainstream writers, like, they still think of Linux as just a toy, like, something you just play around with. Like, they're, they're like, talking down to it almost. A lot the of times. them are. And a lot of, a lot of times you also have to follow where their sponsors are coming from. If it's, if it's an AdSense sponsor or some network uh, sponsorship situation where it's just rotating ads, you know, usually they're just truly, honestly believing that it's a toy. But if it's actually a purchased in place ad, a lot of times on a lot of these sites, that's by design. Um, there are a lot of them are mouthpieces for Microsoft and other places, and I can think of a few of them right off the top of my head, actually. Mm. PC World, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, snaps. Well, uh, yeah, PC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought, you know, one. we could name and shame, but there's just, you know. There's, let's just say that if they're, if they're pretty popular, it's probably safe to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, now, now we're name and shame. I'm watching the chat room and they're name and shame. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, all right, guys. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, Riley, I thought I saw you, uh, you piped up with something, but, uh, I, I was going to move on. Okay. No, I was just talking about the, never mind. Okay. Go, keep going. Keep going. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to, um, read a couple of emails before we run. And then I think Matt, I'll wrap us up with the RMS rap, which debuted nice. on uh, Coda radio this week. Uh, so, uh, this email <laughs> okay. comes in from, uh, Roy. He says, hi, Chris and Matt. Uh, my name is Roy. Said like Roy. Uh, I'm from Israel, and I'm a product manager in a software company, a longtime fan of the show, and even longer fan of Ubuntu. I switched to Linux where Ubuntu during 7.04 was the first thing. It was the first thing I tried out. I'm a longtime fan of Ubuntu as they were the ones that made me realize a user has the options other than Windows, and it was a wonderful experience. At first, when you moved away to Arch and preached others to do so, I don't know if I really preached that. Um, shared excitement preached. Th- thank you. Shared excitement. <laughs> it just shared in my experience. It's kind of yeah. like, uh, you know, when, when, uh, we start the Coke action show and I share my, no, <laughs> awesome. Oh my goodness. Hello. It's the internet, baby. Uh, I, he said, I, I said, I, he said, I could not turn on Shuttleworth as uh, we were talking about it, but I guess maybe it was the Amazon collaboration that got me. I like Amazon, but I don't like to get results from Amazon and everything that I search in the dash. 
Anyway, I switched to Arch, and the first thing I have to say is, oh my god, System D. As a power user, Arch is easy to learn, and the Arch wiki is wonderful. Then I realized, or then I installed a desktop environment. You talk so much about KDE, so I gave it a try, but I felt it was too broken for my needs. Certain features were missing or perhaps just weren't quite done. Uh, but it goes on to say that uh, uh, I switched to GNOME, which has been great. I guess you can say it's more complete than KDE. Uh, yeah, but it's okay, it do- but whatever you do, never write about GNOME. Yeah. That's the best advice I can ever give you. He says it does work, <laughs> and it even works smoothly. The only thing missing for me in Arch is a respectable GUI for Pac-Man, as I want to explore the repo in a comfortable way, and there are some ways to integrate with and and some way to integrate with the AUR easily. I've installed your but I would rather have something embedded with Pac-Man. Keep up the great work. Now, Matt, on Manjaro, they use a uh, GUI package manager, correct? Yeah, they call it Pac-Mac or Slap Mat or something. I don't oh, know. I what have they call it on, yeah. yeah, Pac-Mac, I think, uh, like a MAC. Pac-Man, Pac-Mac. No, it's Pac-Man XG, right? Isn't that what it is? No, no, no. They, oh, for, the, for the integrated thing, it's like oh, it's oh, okay. P-A-C-M-A-C. Okay. Pac-Man. Now, there is a GUI one called like Pac-Man XG, too, which yeah, is... Yeah, I, I actually run that for all my uh, AUR stuff. Yeah, so. And there is even a uh, Arch, re- uh, Arch Wiki entry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also, for installing packages from the AUR... I'm sure I'll get some. Whenever you say what you use, by the way, on Arch, just so you know, just brace yourselves for this, Roy. Sure. Uh, whenever you tell people what you use, you will get 30 people telling you not to ever use that. It will destroy Arch. <laughs> so with that disclaimer made, I use Packer. Packer I like quite a bit. And uh, then you can also, there's a web search for the Arch user repository. And what I really love about that is the comments and the votes. You can you can use that to kind of suss out if it's, a, if it's um, you know, workable. That's right. Myself, I'm a huge fan of PAC-AUR. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a really good one. It acts just like Pac-Man, but also works with the AUR. Yep, yep. And then you can just say, like, PAC-AUR-S, capital S, and then the name of the package, and if it's in the if it's in the actual Arch repo or in the AUR, it don't care. It just go gets it. And right. uh, it, Exactly. Oh, yes. It doesn't bump to you a million times. Right, yep. uh, yeah. So, the uh, GUI is definitely Pac-Man XG4. Okay. Oh, the four. Manjaro okay. one is Octopi. Okay. Okay. Octopi. Uh, yeah, but the ones that I use are two awesome command line AUR interfaces that I found. Which Pack are? AUR and Packer. Yeah. Like P A C K E R. Yeah, I like Packer. Those two ones are awesome. Yeah. I've always just used uh, Yaourt. Yep. Yep. And I want to call it yogurt. Yeah, or I know. Right? Or it used to be French. Like it used to be from the French Arch units. Arch community, and it was only French. And holy moles, holy smokes, it used we to be back in the day. We should rename it Activia. I find that Yower <laughs> right. prompts me more than Packer does, just not by a lot, but just by a little bit. And uh, I don't know, I just kind of like Packer output a little better, but uh, Yower's awesome too. In fact, usually that's how I install Packer is by installing Yower. <laughs> you know, really I, I have a request one? for the There's Linux community. Aura. If they could, if the Linux community could just start naming things, stuff I can pronounce. Yeah, that you know would what? be so awesome. People were giving Gnome a hard time for calling the music app music and the photos app photos and the file manager files. But now looking back at that, I'm thinking that makes some sense. Oh. Well, even KDE, they slap a K in front of everything. I mean, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. that works. Yeah, and you know, and what they don't is like Dolphin, and that's easy enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Last email comes in from James on the mirror debate. He says, Hey guys, I just had one point to make, which has been overlooked in the discussion over mirror versus Wayland. You were discussing in a different context, what quote unquote needed to happen. But I think mirror needed to happen in 2010. Canonical was first to say they wanted to go with Wayland, but Wayland moved very slowly and was apparently not responsive to canonicals needs from canonicals perspective. Mirror needed to happen. Perhaps. But surely it's obvious also that Mir gave Wayland a giant kick in the butt. 
I don't think Wayland would have made anything like the progress it is now without competition from Mir. See, now the Wayland guys really hate it when you say that, especially if you say it on a podcast. They really and hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I was the one, that's where the whole monkey suit thing came about is at that time. And, and I realize this has changed, but to the, my knowledge, and I'm going to disclose this, to my knowledge at that time, I saw no evidence of Wayland doing it. Oh, anything. man, I'm totally with you, Matt. I, yeah, I, I just made, I didn't, no, that's not, I just didn't see it. I, I had the clown show, uh, um, they uh, are now. Where, like, uh, we did like two or three years of our yearly Linux predictions where, like, okay, Wayland's going to ship this year. Right, yeah. Totally, and it never happened, right? Now, what I think did happen is it focused the supporters of Wayland in, into doubling down on what was actually already there. And uh, like Intel got more involved uh, and started a dialogue with Red Hat, right? And they started working closer together to push Wayland forward. Um, and, you know, driver manufacturers started thinking about it a little more. So I think even if the core amount of contributors maybe to Wayland hasn't gone up, or if it has, I don't know. But I definitely think it's moved things forward. And uh, we just had a great, uh, thanks to Heaven's Revenge in the in the mumble room, a great pre-show technical chat about the differences between Wayland and Mir. And it actually, you know, I should get him to try to post it somewhere. But uh, the, the the summary was, is, you know, there's also some long-term architectural differences they're making. So we could see this conversation. You know, I think a lot of us are kind of just expecting it to ship and then we're going to stop talking about it. But I actually think once it ships, that's when the conversation is actually going to begin. We're going to look back at this pre-launch time stuff as like adorable because oh, yeah, it's it, be just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We're, in a couple of years, we're going to be living it, right? Or a year? I don't know. He says, uh, he backs it up there. He says, five years of Wayland development showed that open source software development needs competition. Mir provided that. And Wayland has a lot more progress as a result. I'd say bring on X.12 uh, too. Why not? James. Right. Yeah, man. Well, who needs X11 when you can have X12? There is a thing. There is a thing. Um, all right, Matt. Well, uh, I think I'm going to wrap us here. What do you think? Anything else you want to cover before we... Uh we wrap up? I think that's it. Uh, the one thing I would leave on, well, as far as Wayland's concerned, I'd want to leave everybody with this statement is that when I made that statement initially, I was instantly given 101 reasons why, well, no, Wayland's developing just fine and it doesn't need to speed up and da 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 da. da. And it's like, it's interesting that, you know, that happened. And of course, now, of course, with the whole mirror thing happening, Wayland is, in fact, going really quickly and it's doing amazing things and it's coming along very nicely. Well, and so, you and know, I think, you know, I, what, what I kind of want the meta message of this episode to be is, the, the the dialogue in the open source community actually does matter because that's what encourages people to join open source projects. That's what motivates people. It gives people passion. That's why the news coverage and the media around Linux is actually more important than it is around these commercial companies that have dictators and, and commands from above, right? There's exactly. there's actually there's actually a larger impact Linux media can have. And in that same regard, there's a larger impact that competition has because it galvanizes each camp. It gets people focused. It gets people working. It gets people behind their effort, and it pushes things forward. And just like commercial uh, competition helps commercial products, open source competition helps open source products. And yes, I think both Matt and I acknowledge there is plenty of opportunity for display server fragmentation, right? Oh, and totally, yeah. We could be going down an uncharted path and and forfeiting one of the cornerstones of Linux stability thanks to X11 that we've had for years. But in the end, we might also see ourselves evolving into something that's pretty awesome. And with two folks going at it like this, now we've got our Coke and Pepsi of display servers. They're going to be pushing each other forward, I hope, at least for a while, at least for quite a while. Um, all right, Matt. Well, uh, so I want to give people a little heads up if they've stayed tuned this long. This week on the Linux Action Show, Matt and I will be reviewing Cinnamon 2.0. Actually, I guess it's technically next week. But uh, Cinnamon 2.0 has been out for a little while. 
And uh, I've got it installed in a VM, and I've also got it installed on my Bonobes. And uh, I think we'll give you our full take on it. I know there's a lot of folks out there who aren't quite happy with any particular desktop, and some of them are looking towards Cinnamon. I know we have some Mint 14 users in our mumble room right now. They're looking towards the next release of Mint with Cinnamon 2.0 and hoping that it's going in the right direction. So uh, we'll give you our thoughts on uh, the new version of Cinnamon in the next episode of the Linux Action Show. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to end us with the RMS wrap. So uh, this was <laughs> cut from this week's Coda Radio. It was put to the end of Coda Radio. Uh, because uh, during the show, mid- about midway through the show, um, we had a Skype hiccup and uh, something happened and, and Mike dropped off and you hear me trying to reconnect to him throughout the song. And so I decided to kill time by taking a song I like from Ronald Jenkins called Sidetrack and pairing it with Richard Stallman, which um, it's two great things that go well together. It's like, it's like peanut butter and chocolate, man. So <laughs> here you go. This, this is a clip from the end of... Uh, of uh, this week's uh, Coda Radio and uh, we'll end with this thanks for joining us everybody we'll see you right back here next week don't forget you can email us just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com click that contact link and choose Linux Unplugged from the drop down also participate in our subreddit linuxactionshow.reddit.com and in our mumble room which uh, just go to jblive.tv on Tuesday at 2pm Pacific and you can get details on how to join our mumble room and be part of the dialogue we are your internet lug so uh, just come and hang out with us and uh, enjoy the RMS wrap. See you next uh, Sunday, Matt. See you then. There's nobody else here, Chris. You don't hear me? What are you talking about? Christopher. Oh, I hear you. You don't hear my wonderful beam, or uh, what about... Uh, He's a jackass. Do you hear that, or do you hear... I think it's wasted effort. Or do you hear... I oh, think no. that we should all make those businesses fail. <laughs> It's the Stallman rap. Here it comes, here it comes. And the value of this is negative. And the value of this is negative. It's negative in the freedom dimension. I think it's wasted effort. Get it out of here. And the value of this is negative. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Get it out of here. Negative in the freedom dimension. It's negative in the freedom dimension. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. And the value of this is negative. It's negative in the freedom dimension. And the value of this is negative. Get it out of here. I think it's wasted effort. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. I think it's wasted effort. And the value of this is negative. And the value of this is negative. Get it out of here. Jackass. He's a jackass. He's a jackass. Hello, everybody. Get it out of here.
Get it out of here. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. And the value of this is negative. And the value of this is negative. It's negative in the freedom dimension. value of this is negative. I think it's wasted effort. And the value of this is negative. I think it's wasted effort. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. It's negative in the freedom dimension. It's negative in the freedom dimension. I think it's wasted effort. Hello, everybody. 